Uh, hello, everybody. Uh, today, uh, I'm, I'm Dr. Orsi Azizi. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have a discussion with an old friend of mine, Mr. Michael Jones. <laughs> He's in the United States. And uh, today, we're going to talk about uh, the recent developments in uh, the Middle East, uh, the killing of uh, General Qasem Soleimani by the Americans is uh, putting <laughs> the whole Middle East in fire again. Uh, and uh, Mr. Michael Jones, he, who is in the United States, he can give us uh, an American perspective on what is going on in the Middle East, uh, why the Americans, they are trying to provoke a war with uh, Iran. And uh, <clears throat> for me, being from Albania, Albania has become a very important country in the recent years. Since 2015, Albania is hosting an ex-terrorist organization in its soil, the Mujahideen al-Harq. Uh, this organization, which has killed many uh, scientists, uh, diplomats, politicians, soldiers, people in Iran in the past, was considered a terrorist organization by the United States government, Canada, European Union, and, uh, and the United Nations. However, uh, since 2012, MEC was uh, no longer, was delisted from, from the terrorist list. And uh, in 2015, <clears throat> when we had the famous Iran nuclear deal, uh, 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 or before that, we had some people of this organization being brought to Albania. Uh, in 2016, uh, when uh, the Obama administration concluded the nuclear deal with uh, Iran, we had the Secretary, or American Secretary of State, Mr. John Kerry, coming to Albania and telling to us the Albanians they had a secret deal with our government that Albania was going to host the whole army of MEC, around 3,000 or more people in our country. Now, uh, the coming of MEC in Albania has created many <laughs> uh, 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 headaches for the Albanian government, but for the Albanian public as well. Uh, as we all know, uh, from 2011 or 12 until 2014, we had many Muslims from <laughs> uh, Europe who were radicalized by different uh, secret services and they were sent to do jihad in Syria. Uh, but uh, after the uh, Kerry-Lavrov agreement, the agreement between Russia and the United States on probably ending the war in Syria or whatever, <coughs> the Americans declared all those Muslims who were radicalized and went to make jihad in Syria, declared them terrorists. Uh, the American government forced the Albanian, the Bosnian, the Macedonian, uh, the Kosovo and Serbian governments to change their, their penal codes. And nowadays for us in the Balkans, if some, somebody want to go and fight in a foreign uh, conflict, according to our laws, you are immediately declared a foreign fighter and a terrorist. However, what is happening in Albania, that even though the Americans forced our governments to change their penal code and to punish people who take part in foreign conflicts, the, uh, in Albania, uh, something very strange has been happening. 
the Albanians, uh, the Albanian government uh, welcomed and is hosting in our country around 3,000 Iranian jihadis or the Mujahideen al-Harb. These people <coughs> call and incite for war against Iran every day. However, the government of Albania does not uh, implement the law when it comes to these people. Now, with the killing of uh, the Iranian general Qasem Soleimani, <laughs> we're having new complications in our internal politics in Albania. We have many politicians in our country who want to appease the Americans because, uh, for example, if in Iran the supreme authority or the supreme leader is the Ayatollah Khamenei, for us in Balkans, in Albania, in Kosovo, in Serbia, the supreme leader is the American ambas- ambassador and its embassy staff. So what is happening nowadays in Albania, we're having a very hot debates here where people like me are telling to our government that we should implement the law and we should not allow our countries to become rogue states, states that export terrorism against foreign countries. But on the other hand, we have many politicians who are close to the U.S. embassy here in Tehran, Albania, who they are saying, no, the Mujahideens, they are good people, they are freedom fighters, they are the opposition of Iran. Now, we are going to discuss this thing with Mr. Michael Jones. Mr. Jones, welcome in, uh, in, uh, in our show. Uh, we're very honored to have you and would like to have your opinion about the general situation in the Middle East, the killing of Mr. Qasem Soleimani, and uh, your thoughts on the Mujahideen al-Halq. Yes. Uh, f- first of all, uh, to give the immediate background to, what, to the killing of uh, Qasem Soleimani, uh, the, this chain of events began when the United States uh, tore up the nuclear agreement that John Curry had worked out with uh, Iran. Donald yeah, Trump yeah. did this at the behest of, of three rich Jews, uh, Bernard Marcus, Paul Singer, and Sheldon Adelson, because they are big contributors to the Republican Party. And at this point, he abandoned diplomacy and then started at the behest, again, of these three rich Jews and the Israel lobby in the United States, started putting pressure on Iran, more and more pressure on Iran, largely uh, the sanctions. This, uh, we call this brinksmanship, uh, where you go to the brink, you go to the edge, and then you push it and see how far it will go. These are the tactics that Trump used as a real estate developer in New York City. And now he's applying them to the international uh, field of international relations, in effect, bypassing the entire State Department. OK, this yeah. is this is what set up this this uh, confrontation. So the one uh, back and forth and the United States attacked a group. Uh, they 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 lost the war in Syria in spite of bringing uh, these uh, Islamic mercenaries there. Uh, so they tried to strike at this group of people uh, in Iraq, and that set off this chain of events. Okay, the, pr- the problem here is that uh, during this period of time, the United States removed the main obstacle to Iran's expansion in the region by uh, toppling Saddam Hussein. So by doing that, they opened up uh, uh, <coughs> basically a Shia crescent that extended from Iran through Iraq 
through Syria down into Lebanon and they were allowed to arm Hezbollah in Lebanon. So the murder of uh, Soleimani uh, created a situation where both the United States and Iran were on the brink of war. Everyone is waiting for the uh, for the next shoe to drop in the Middle East. Uh, I went on press TV that night, uh, the Iranian uh, TV, English language TV, and I said what I just said you. The, the reason we are in this state is because Trump is basically doing the bidding of the Israel lobby because he thinks they will keep him from being impeached and removed by the deep state, which wanted a war with Russia. I said, if Iran responds, they should keep this in mind, because if they kill American citizens in their response, they will unite the country against them, and that's not what they want to do. The next day, Benjamin Netanyahu said, uh, this conflict has nothing to do with Israel. It's simply a conflict between Iran and America. Well, that was a joke. Nobody believed him when he said that. But then soon after that, Hassan Nasrallah said that uh, if, Iran, if America attacks Iran, Hezbollah will attack Haifa. Hezbollah will attack Israel. Hezbollah now has hundreds of thousands of missiles. If the Patriot missile system that the United States sold to Israel is effective and every single Patriot missile brings down an incoming missile, there will be, there will be tens of thousands of missiles that will hit their target. Benjamin Netanyahu did that, realize this, and so Israel basically told the United States to back down, and that stopped it. So there was an attack. Uh, the, uh, the Iranians attacked two military bases, but no American lives were lost. Okay, this shows, I think, that Israel, there's a stalemate in the war now. Iran, for 20 years, Israel, people like, people like Benjamin Netanyahu wanted the United States to attack Iran. Now they realize that if America does attack Iran, that Israel is going to be attacked and they will lose that, that, that battle. So they, they, there's no way to proceed. That's the end of the possibility of military engagement in Iran. It's Dr. Jones, uh, if you can explain us something, <coughs> because people do not understand in Albania why the American government keeps on fighting wars for Israel in the Middle East. I mean, what the hell do you want in the Middle East? You are, you are, you are one ocean away from the Middle East. What brings the Americans in the Middle East? Money. The Jews, the Jews, uh, make money through usury. The user class, the creditor class gained the upper hand in America in 1978 when Paul Volcker was head of the Federal Reserve System. At this point, uh, Paul Volcker raised interest rates to 20%, which means that the banks in every state in the United States had to go to the legislatures and tell them to overrule, uh, to uh, reject, rescind their laws against usury. At this point, these the creditor class gained, gained enormous amounts of money simply because of the process of compound interest. And so you have fabulously wealthy people, wealth concentrated into fewer and fewer hands, and these people then control the political parties. So basically the political parties, and we're talking about uh, Jewish interests here, 
who have been always been involved in usury, and they became so rich that they now control the Republican Party, and that's how they that's how they they control America's foreign policy, and that's why we are involved in this war in the Middle East. This war does but, not serve the interest of the American people. But listen, I mean, the the Jews they created Israel since 1948. I do not know if you have been to Israel. I was there in December 2018, and this is a failed state. It is a military state. These people sleep with guns. <laughs> they live through wars. And I do not understand why should these American Jews support this utopia, this theocratic utopia called State of Israel. Because if you have heard Israeli politicians, when people ask them, what the hell do you want here? They told us because God gave it to us and he said that in the Bible. I mean, Israel is a failure. And I do not really understand why they keep on investing so much in wars and conflicts. Well, you're asking a big question here. I wrote a book uh, called The Jewish Revolutionary Spirit. Uh, I wrote this after the, uh, the United States, the neoconservatives took over the Bush administration and invaded Iraq. That was purely done for Israel's interest. How did they, why did the Jews act this way? That's a deep question. I'm saying that the real reason is because they have rejected Logos. So there's a theological explanation here, but that's probably too complicated for uh, our interview now. But I'll give you the short version. The Jews, when they rejected Christ, they rejected Logos. Logos is the order of the universe. When you reject the order of the universe, you become a revolutionary. When you become a revolutionary, you want to overthrow the social order throughout the world. Well, that's what Jews have been for 2,000 years. They have been a revolutionary avant-garde that hates any any Christian country in the world and wants to overthrow its social order. Now, these people got great power in America for the reasons that I've already explained to you, and now they control our culture. So it's hard for people to understand how 2% of the population can control the majority, but You've had a similar situation. I mean, you had a communist dictatorship in Albania. Communist dictatorships ruled all of all of Eastern Europe. This goes back to Bolshevism. Bolshevism was a Jewish political movement where a tiny minority took over Russia and then used Russia as its proxy warrior to conquer all of Eastern Europe. So we're seeing the same thing again, except that the United States is the vehicle for Jewish power instead of Russia. Uh, Dr. Jones, you are right about that, but uh, let us say in the United States, you have very powerful Christian groups. Your deputy president, Mike Pence, he's, 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 he's an ex, he's a pastor, he's a preacher, if I'm not wrong. Uh, uh, Mike Pompeo, he's an evangelical Christian. I mean, uh, where is Christianity standing in the United States? Why? the United States is becoming such an uh, evil and criminal uh, empire going throughout the world, bombing and killing people. When the message of Jesus Christ is a message of, is, is a message of peace. I mean, where did the Bible go in the United States? Where, where did the teachings of Jesus Christ end up? Well, the answer to that is the Schofield Bible. Uh, there was a, um, a man by the name of Schofield. He wrote notes to the Bible in which he said, basically, 
that Israel, uh, that the Jews had the right to own uh, this country, uh, Israel in the Middle East. It's bad theology. It's Protestant theology. It's not Catholic theology. Uh, but powerful interests promoted it. A man named uh, by the name of Untermeyer, who was a, uh, a, a famous uh, literary man and publisher in New York City, got Oxford University Press to print the Bible, the Schofield Bible, with these notes. And these, there are large numbers of evangelical sects who basically uh, think of history and think of world politics through the lens of this Bible. They're called uh, dispensationalists, or they're called Christian Zionists, and you, the uh, vice president of the United States is one of them. Uh, yes, he comes. Yes. From, he was governor of the state of Indiana. He was raised a Catholic, and then abandoned the Catholic faith because he had political ambitions. Because everyone in Southern Indiana is one of these evangelical Christian Zionists. So I said before, the Jews were a small percentage of the population. Two uh, percent, but they've taken over large number, large Christian denominations, large evangelical denominations through this bad theology. That explains Pompeo and Mike Pence. Yes, and uh, we see their influence even here in uh, Eastern Europe. Let, let me give you the example of Albania. <laughs> the evangelical Christians are quite often in the forefront of the Zionist ideology. Uh, very, quite often, there are more Jews than the Jews. Uh, in Albania, even though we are supposed to be a Muslim-majority country, uh, Muslims here range between 60 to 70 percent of the population. Our prime minister is a Catholic, but who is a, he's a, from Orthodox Christian. He became a Catholic but he's a good friend of uh, Netanyahu. And the mayor of Tirana, Erion Velia, is an ex-Muslim convert into uh, Protestant uh, ev evangelical Christianity. The Americans have been very <coughs> careful uh, in the last 30 years since the collapse of communism to bring fundamentalist Christians, I mean evangelical Christians, in, in, in power in Albania, but even in Kosovo. Uh, people in the West, sometimes they think that what did, for example, Americans do by bombing Serbia, they helped the Muslim of Muslims of Kosovo. But as a matter of fact, this is not true. Uh, today, the elites that rule Pristina or Kosovo, they are fundamentalist Christians uh, and Christian Zionists, and they are very anti-Muslim. Uh, they have established a reign of psychological terror here in Albania and in Kosovo <coughs> because of the Wahhabi propaganda that happened during the war in Syria. We had many Muslims who were radicalized and they ended up as jihadists. But after 2014, the Americans have detained and jailed many of these Muslim Wahhabis. But now what is happening because they are being pushed by the Israeli intelligence service, they are going even after Muslims who come from the Shia denomination. For example, we had in Kosovo uh, uh, five days ago a lady who was sent to jail only because she called the Americans criminals in her Facebook posting, and she prayed for the soul of Qasem Soleimani. 
So the, 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 the Zionist Christian dictatorship is so powerful in countries like Kosovo, but even in Albania, that sometimes they <coughs> even deny us the freedom of speech. In That's the exactly United States. What's happening in the United States. That's exactly what's happening in the United States. They have organizations like the Anti-Defamation League who are now working with Silicon Valley to, pre to prevent people like me from speaking on YouTube. There's a, there's a, a, a full-fledged attack against free speech waged by Jewish organizations. Anything the Jews don't like is called hate speech. Have they closed? The, the other point I'd like to make here is that the United States creates these proxy warriors. Uh, the beginning uh, it was the uh, Mujahideen in Afghanistan. Now, once the Soviets were driven from Afghanistan, these people don't disappear. They didn't disappear. So the United States has to find a place to put them because they, they use them uh, periodically. They like to turn them on like a spigot, you know, for water. And so they ended up causing problems wherever they went. They were in the Sudan. They caused problems in the Sudan. Then they caused problems in North Africa. And then finally they weaponized them again and used them to depose uh, Gaddafi in Syria. This is a group of people. This, I think this is what you're saying happened with the Mujahideen Ikalk. Okay. Yes. They, 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 they brought them, they brought them in Albania. They have brought them, have to them somewhere. They've got to have a dumping ground and Albania is a dumping ground for Muslim terrorists because the United States needs, needs them on reserve, but doesn't know where to put them. In our debates that we have here in Albania, I tell to our Albanian politicians, because we, 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 we have had very hot debates in, in the past uh, few days here in Albania about the presence of MAC, because the existence of the MAC paramilitary camp here in Albania turns Albania in a way, in a, in a military target for Iran. So in case of a total war between the United States and Israel and Iran, Albania will be hit by Iranian rockets. So we had very uh, uh, passionate debates in the last days here in Albania. And with many uh, politicians that I debated, I told them why in the hell did we here in Albania have to bring these people in our country? The answer that many politicians give to us here is that America liberated for us Kosovo and we have to do something in return. My answer to them is that we should not be partners in crime with the United States. And what I tell to my colleagues here in Tirana, Albania, I tell them, if these Mujahideens, they are such fine people, why doesn't Trump send them to Texas or to Alaska or to Washington? Why they had to bring them in this country? One of the answers that I have is that the Americans are turning Albania into a lawless society where they can do anything they want here. And because we have very weak uh, judicial system here. And my hypothesis is that if, let us say, <laughs> the United States was to take these 3000 Mujahideens and to send them to the United States, there will be a massive rebellion against the government. Am I right? People yeah. will tell to Trump or to whoever, to whoever is why you bring these terrorists in our country. 
Now, uh, what our public and our viewers want to know from you, like an American, is who are these people, the Mujahideen al-Halq, and what is America and Israel, uh, what is their aim? Why, why they're hosting them here? Because they want them to overthrow the regime in Iran. They are Iranian uh, dissidents, as far as I know. I mean, it's been a while since I wrote the article on them, but I mean, that's where they came, that's where they came from. They were used. And I think the deal, part of the deal which Curry um, did with the Iranians on the nuclear deal was probably to get rid of them. You want you want to keep these people and disp- and turn them on and off like a light switch. That's not the way it works with these people. These people continue to exist and they continue to cause problems. This is always the problem with irregular warfare. It always gets out of control. This is what Liddell Hart said in his book. The beginning of this in Europe was the British sponsoring Spanish guerrillas. Guerrilla is the term that came from Spain. They were to put, to drive Napoleon out of Spain. But once that happened, they still continued in existence. And they caused problems in Spain for the next hundred years. They still they caused problems at the time of the Spanish Civil War. You're talking about this thing going on for generations. That's why it's so pernicious and such a bad thing. In the case of Albania, what is very hypocritical is that they were brought here from the UNHCR, United Nations Humanitarian Commission for Refugees. Where they were, when they were brought here, the argument that the Americans sold to our public was that these people, they are uh, victims of war, they are victims of persecution, and they are coming in Albania for humanitarian asylum. However, what is happening since 2016, after they came here, they're doing a political and a militaristic propaganda against Iran. And as I mentioned to you before, we have a big legal problem with these people because our constitution and our laws here prohibit such a thing. You cannot come to Albania and to incite for a war against a foreign country. But what is happening is that our government and our courts are being pressured by many American this is the This is the problem when you become a puppet of the American empire. Correct. The same thing, the same thing is happening right now in Montenegro. But, uh, uh, we, uh, Pompeo put pressure on the president of Montenegro, and now the president has nationalized all of the Orthodox churches in Montenegro. I see this as a step. Uh, toward handing those churches over to Christian evangelicals so that they can turn the country into a Protestant colony of the American empire. I see that happening. And yes, you are right. <clears throat> From my observations here in Balkans, the Americans uh, target two major religious institutions. Number one is the Muslim community. <clears throat> For example, here in Albania, our Muslim community, which is in a way the Muslim national church that we have, is being run by the Fetullah Gulen organization. The Fetullah Gulen group is a terrorist group in Turkey, but the Americans gave to them the keys of our mosques here in Albania. So they run the Islamic infrastructure. And on the other hand, the Americans on also target the Orthodox Christian community. 
because they perceived them as being stooges of Russia. What is happening in Montenegro at, at, at present is that the Americans are in a way violently backing the so-called Montenegrin church against the Serbian Orthodox Church. It is the same scenario that we have seen in Ukraine as well. We have the so-called the National Church of Ukraine, which goes and attacks the Moscow Patriarchate. So the, 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 those churches that are under the Patriarchate of Moscow. So apart from the hot war that we see, let us say, in the Middle East against Iran, against Syria, against Iraq and against Palestine, then we have the religious conflict as well. What yes. do you think about it? Yes, I, this has been a strategy of, uh, of dividing these people that's been in existence for a long time, because all the way back to the Protestant Reformation, where basically you destroyed the, uh, the unity of Christendom with this division and then played one side off against the other. This is, uh, you, you are part of a larger invasion of all of Europe. All of Europe is being invaded now. Uh, it's not so much Muslims, uh, but it is Muslims. Uh, I just did, I just did a piece on, on, uh, Ireland. Over the past 10 years, Ireland has been conquered. Not, not a gun was fired. It was all the result of, uh, international corporations, uh, foundations from America, foundation money and uh, Google and Facebook technology that took over Ireland. And now the, uh, uh, as, uh, and the first, the, the real purpose of this is to divide the Irish people from the Catholic Church. And they do this by promoting gay marriage and by promoting uh, abortion uh, and all of that agenda right now. So it's not just, it's not just the Balkans. All of Europe is under assault right now through a combination of Google technology, uh, sexual liberation, and uh, migration. And the purpose of this is basically to destroy every single culture, turn the native people into second-class citizens, and have them ruled by the oligarchs through things like uh, uh, debt and, uh, and pornography. It's happening across Europe. Uh, what we see in the Middle East is that through the wars that the Americans have done against uh, six countries since the collapse of the Soviet Union <clears throat> by destroying Sudan, Somalia, Iraq, Libya, Syria, etc., the Americans have have pushed huge waves of Muslim uh, refugees invading Europe. Right. So on one side, we are seeing the depopulation of the Middle East. <laughs> and on the other side, we're seeing the Muslimanization of Europe, if I can put it like that. That's right. That's so right. today you have Muslim refugees from Eritrea to to, I don't know, to, to, to India and Pakistan up to from the Balkans, who all of them have gone to Sweden, to Norway, to United Kingdom, etc. So if we see the, the bigger picture is that we're having the destruction of Islam and Christianity. 
by going and bombing and destroying the Muslim societies, the Americans and Israelis are destroying the social structures and the economic structures of the Muslim world. And on the other hand, <laughs> these people who in their home countries were teachers, engineers, and very respected people, they end up as refugees in, in, in Europe. So in my opinion, we're having two destructions at the same time. We're having the destruction of the historical Christianity in the West, and we're having the destruction of, of Muslim societies. But what I see from the larger picture, if we can, if we can uh, see it like that, we are still seeing Iran, who is in a way resisting to the imperial invasion of the United States, and in a way, Iran is pushing the Arabs to resist to this wave of destruction and colonization. And then on the east, we have Russia, which uh, in a way is defending the Christian uh, image of, of the Russian people. Am I right on that? Yes, yes, yes. The, pro the, the, the crucial problem, crucial state in this regard is Poland. Poland has a very strong Catholic church. I know I was there. I did a book tour uh, with my with the Polish translation of my book Libido Dominandi: Sexual Liberation and Political Control. That never could have succeeded without the collaboration of the Catholic Church. There is Catholic solidarity in Poland. They understand that sexual liberation is a political a form of political control. They rejected it uh, largely through the, uh, the combination of my book and the Polish bishop statement issuing something a statement on gender ideology, and as a result, there's no gay marriage in Poland. Now, this is in, this has created enemies. Uh, Poland is now perceived as the enemy by the Jews. Uh, the Jews uh, are proposing a a, a bill uh, called 447, which is basically demanding 300 billion dollars in reparations from the Polish people for supporting Hitler. It's outrageous, it's preposterous, and it's causing anti-Semitism throughout Poland. The problem with Poland is that they, they have this residual Russophobia because of their history. They do not like the Russians. They perceive the Russians as, the, as their enemy, and as a result, they align themselves with the United States geopolitically, and as a result, they cannot they cannot function effectively because the United States is their enemy and they can't see it. So what you're seeing here, the result of the, the overreaching of Jewish American foreign policy is alienating people throughout the world and it's driving them together. So Germany uh, had once a, a pipeline called Nord Stream 2 to deliver natural gas from Russia to Poland. The United States just put sanctions on them for doing that. That is going to drive the Germans into the arms of the Russians. That is what is going to happen here. The Americans are uniting the Eurasian landmass. If they unite the Eurasian landmass against them, they, they will lose. They will lose this battle. And I'm saying this is what's happening. Okay, the United States cannot move forward militarily. It cannot accomplish what it needs to accomplish. It cannot uh, defeat Iran. It cannot defeat Russia. It cannot prevent the alliances between Russia and China and Iran, and it cannot prevent alliances between Germany and Russia. They are bringing about the very opposite of what they intend. 
This is what Hegel called the cunning of reason. This is the way God works in human history. And I'm saying that is what's happening right now, that Donald Trump is bringing about the end of the American empire. Dr. Jones, uh, uh, the Americans tried in 2016 <coughs> to topple President Erdogan in Turkey through the coup that they organized with the Fethullah Gülen group. Uh, but since then, <laughs> we're seeing Turkey turning towards Russia. Right. And exactly, exactly what I'm talking about. Exactly. So NATO has ceased to exist de facto because Turkey is a part of NATO and now they are buying Russian uh, missiles. And so therefore they don't have interoperability. So that's the end of NATO. Yeah. But my question is, how do you see the future of Turkey? I mean, Turks, they understood in a way that the Americans could not be trusted. They wanted to install a military dictatorship in, in Turkey in 2016, like they did with uh, Abdel Fattah al-Sisi in Egypt. Now we see Israel is, uh, in a way, developing or pushing the Americans towards two major conflicts in the Middle East. One which is in the Persian Gulf, where the Americans and Israelis are trying to mobilize the Bedouin king kingdoms of uh, Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, and United Arab Emirates to go and fight against Iran. And on the other hand, in the Mediterranean, if you have observed in the past weeks, um, Netanyahu is trying to build a Greek alliance with, with Greece and Cyprus for the so-called ISMED uh, uh, pipeline. Israel wants to, in a way, turn the Mediterranean uh, Sea into a Judeo-Greek lake and, in a way, to exclude the Turks from the Mediterranean. For this reason, um, the Turks, they are intervening in uh, Libya. They are trying, they made an agreement with the government of Tripoli in order to share the sea between Libya and Turkey so that in a way they can stop the Israeli-Greek uh, uh, mono monopoly over, over the Mediterranean. On the other hand, we see the Americans and Pompeo, they are 100% on the side of the Greeks and of the Israelis. They are building a military base in Cyprus. They are building a military base at the border, at the Greek border with, with Turkey in the city of Alexandropoulos, or what the Turks call Dede Agac. So, in a way, <coughs> uh, they are trying to surround Turkey with military bases in the same way as they have done with Iran. Uh, do you see, have you, have you observed this conflict that is uh, developing in the Mediterranean? Yes. The problem with Greece is that it's bankrupt. The, the Greeks ha are being looted now by the European Union because of debt. And they're very vulnerable and therefore would be open if Israel is going to come in and give them money, then they probably would agree to this. But the big, there's a big, bigger picture here. And what, what you're seeing here is uh America has a large military establishment based on obsolete weapons. Okay, the aircraft carrier is obsolete. What you have is asymmetrical warfare, where the missile now 
can defeat any other weapon, whether it's a tank. The, the two major weapons that came out of World War II were the tank and the aircraft carrier. The Israeli invasion of Lebanon in 2006 showed that the tank was obsolete. Hezbollah used 1,500 men, and they stopped the tanks 500 yards into uh, Lebanon. So all of these ways of projecting power are obsolete. And if you can't project the power, then you can't determine what the people are going to do. And so Turkey, after that coup, is now basically uh, going its own way. It's going its own way. They realize they can't depend on NATO. They can't depend on the United States. And they're going to try and resurrect the Ottoman Empire and project power in there in the in the region to protect themselves from America and Israel. Uh, after the killing of Qasem Soleimani, the Iranians hit back at two American bases in Iraq. This was the first time since Second World War that an American base was attacked. Uh, one of the reasons for the Americans to join the war against Japan during the Second World War was the hitting of the Pearl Harbor. Uh, when the Iranians responded to the Americans for killing of Qasem Soleimani, there was a big fear throughout Europe that uh, Trump will send America into a major war with Iran. In your opinion, why didn't Trump do that? Because of what Hassan Nasrallah said the day before. They, is, America cannot protect Israel against uh, missiles. Cannot do it. The, the Hassan Nasrallah has missiles that would obliterate Israel. <coughs> Netanyahu knows this. The Americans knows this. And so they had to be down. <coughs> That's as far that's I think what you're seeing there is the farthest extent of the American empire. But it was a huge humiliation. I mean, I, I you probably saw I think, the face of there's there are people reports coming out of uh, Iran. There, there are reports coming out of Iran now that are saying that that downing of the U Ukrainian plane was a cyber attack, that it was not a mistake on the part of the Iranians. These are not substantiated, but it would make sense because the United States could not respond militarily. They did not respond. Donald Trump said they were going to attack 52 sites in in uh, in Iran, and including cultural sites, and the United States did nothing. The United States backed down. And this is now, the, once that happened, the, uh, the downing of the airliner pushed that out of the news. No one is talking about Soleimani anymore. This was allowed to push all of that out of the news. But the fact remains that the United States backed down. Israel has wanted a war, uh, America, to fight a war with Iran for 20 years now. And now when they had the opportunity, they'd back down because they know that the retaliation would, would, would kill a number of people in Israel. And they didn't want that to happen. So there's a stalemate now, a military stalemate, both geopolitically and technologically, and the, the, the source of that stalemate is the missile. The missile has made the aircraft carrier and the tank obsolete. And now those people have the missiles, have the upper hand. And that means Hezbollah and Iran and Russia as well. So what do you think, uh, when will the next war be? And where? Will, will the biblical Armageddon be committed by Israel against Lebanon and Iran? 
because I mean they no. have no other option. They have no, no other option. But, but they don't know what to do. The Israelis don't know what to do. <clears throat> what are they going to do now? They are surrounded by hostile forces that can obliterate them, and there's nothing they can do about it. So they're going to have to make peace. They're going to have to back down. I don't know where. So what you're going to see is a, probably an increase of irregular warfare, an increase of the sanctions. One of the first things that the United States did was increase the sanctions, more sanctions on Iran. This is all Jewish. Mnuchin is a Jew, rich Jew. He's the head of the Treasury. The people who run the sanctions department at the Treasury Department, they're all Jews, and they do it in Jewish interest. Okay? So that's going to increase. But what does that do? That increases the pressure to create a, 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 an economic union in Asia because China needs Iranian oil. They can't allow the Americans to cut off their oil supply. The same thing of the Germans. The Germans cannot allow the Americans to cut off their connection with Russia. They cannot allow them to do that. This would, be, but this would be the end of their industrial power. And neither one can allow them to do it. So every time the United States imposes sanctions, it pushes the world one, one step away from the dollar as the reserve currency and one step closer to an economic union in the Eurasian landmass. Uh, I do not know if you have been to China. In uh, August of last year, I was in China. I was in Xinjiang, <laughs> the so-called uh, East Turkestan area, where the Chinese were, were discriminating the Uyghur Muslims. They were sending them into concentration camps. Uh, before going to China, <clears throat> I, I, I thought that uh, all what we hear in the West is American propaganda and lies, but in fact it was true, which is used by CIA to blackmail China for their own reasons. What I observed when I went to China, Dr. Jones, was that China was technologically superior to the West. And uh, on the other hand, as a Canadian that I am, I see a, a, a horrific crisis developing in the West. I mean, uh, the United States, Canada, Western so-called capitalist systems, they are going bankrupt. The life of the people have become horrible. But on the other hand, in China, the economy was booming. And uh, uh, what I saw from my visit in China is that the Chinese uh, uh, capitalist or what I call it social imperialist system is going to defeat the United States and the Western uh, Empire in the long run, while the Americans, uh, for for their stupidities, <laughs> they are in a way in a mess in the Middle East and they don't know what to do. And and Israel is is using them as 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 a dog and and, and putting them in every fire. Uh, I believe that in the long durée, the Chinese are going to defeat the West economically. What do you think about that? Yes, because first of all, they have a technological advantage now because they have they can roll out 5G. That's that explains the war against uh, Huawei. They have this 5G technology, which is essential to controlling uh, wars in space. Okay, but more importantly, they've invested in infrastructure, and that one of the main infrastructure inventions is this one belt, one road. Uh, railroad connection between Shanghai and Rotterdam. The whole point of Anglo-American 
foreign policy is to control the sea lanes. If you control the sea lanes, you can control world commerce. The main part of world commerce that needs to be controlled is the Eurasian landmass. Okay, if that, let me give you just one example of what I'm talking about. Okay, the, the after World War One, the Germans signed an armistice with Britain. During this time, Winston Churchill used that as an excuse to blockade German ports, which is very easy to do. They're all in Hamburg, places like that. That's their only access to the sea. And 100,000 Germans starved to death as a result of this perfidious act on the part of Winston Churchill. This made a big impression on Adolf Hitler, and he vowed that it would never happen again. And he would, to, to do that, he had to invade the Ukraine to ensure a food supply for the German people because the German people cannot feed themselves. They don't have enough room. The whole point of Anglo-American foreign policy is to prevent the unification of the Eurasian landmass. What's happening now is they are bringing about the exact opposite of that intention. <laughs> so because we have this rail connection between Shanghai and Rotterdam, that means that they can evade the, that means that the American Navy no longer controls the sea lanes. This is precisely why the Americans have sanctioned the Nord Stream pipeline. The Americans want the Germans to buy liquid natural gas from Qatar and places like that because it's delivered by ship which means that the Germans are dependent upon the American Navy for their energy needs. The Germans are not stupid. They understand what the Americans are trying to do, and that's why they have gone ahead with the, the pipeline. So everything that the Americans are doing now is bringing about the opposite of their intention. This has been the history uh, all the way, uh, certainly since the war uh, in Iraq. It's bringing about the very opposite. It is united against them. And once the, the Eurasian landmass is united, the United States Navy will have no power to project, to tell them what to do. What I understood during <coughs> my visit in Xinjiang, in China, because the Chinese are turning Xinjiang into their major economic hub for uh, uh, having access to Central Asia and, and going to Europe the one road and one belt initiative or the the, the, the the railway and the road system crosses through uh, Xinjiang or East Turkestan. Uh, so what I understood <laughs> during my visit in China and after is that the Chinese empire is defeating the Anglo-American empire in the long term. And uh, I think, uh, I don't know if I'm wrong, but probably we're seeing the last days of the Anglo-American empire. I think, yeah, I think that's exactly what we're seeing. A better example <clears throat> than the one I gave about Hamburg was the opium war, uh, which England waged against China. The England, England was uh, had to sell opium to the Chinese to pay off its tea bill from India. Okay, and what did they do when the Chinese objected? They sent their battleships up the rivers in China and they destroyed. It was the greatest humiliation that China suffered in its entire history. And China has learned the lesson and it's not going to let them happen. That let that happen again. Yes, that is the point. The Chinese are not going to let them. And uh, <clears throat> I'm afraid probably uh, this uh, 21st century will probably be the, the century of the Chinese, isn't it? 
I don't think the Chinese want an, em- an empire. If by that you mean they want to rule over uh, Germany or, or Europe or something like that. I don't think that's what they want. That's not what they, they, they historically, they have never done this. Historically, they, they had the they biggest have, navy in the Middle Ages and they never went anywhere, largely because they, di- they didn't understand how to, uh, how to use uh, astronomy uh, to uh, travel across uh, large bodies of water. They didn't have that. But I think they're doing that now because they're investing a lot in infrastructure. And if you see uh, countries, uh, many of these Muslim countries from Kazakhstan up to Iran and Turkey, they're all going with China. China is giving them debts. China is investing in their infrastructure. China is taking over ports. Uh, the Chinese, you have them in Greece, you have them here in Albania, you, you have them in Italy. They call control the international airports. But right. they're behaving very smart. I mean, why the Americans go and drop bombs on people, the Chinese go and drop dollars. Right. And they have plenty of dollars to drop. They have huge amounts of yes. dollar returns that they have to get rid of. You can't hold on to money. You have yes. to put money to use. And they have been smart in investing money in infrastructure. That's the exact opposite of what the United States is doing. United the United States, the United States build, builds bombs and goes and kills people. And it, that's right. It, it, and the infrastructure is collapsing in the United States. Why don't we have high – what what country has no high-speed rail lines? Can you know what that country is? It's the United the, States of America. United States, I know, I know. You you go and visit Montreal in Canada and you will you, you will see what's going on there. You'll think that you are somewhere in, in Africa or whatever. <clears throat> Dr. Jones, it was a great pleasure to have you on uh, my show. I hope to have you again in the future. If you have something left for our Albanian public especially, and especially the issue of Mac and the way how the Americans rule us through their embassies here, you'll be welcome to, to, to say your last comments. Yes, uh, I think that uh, Logos is rising. This is the title of my latest book, uh, and the conversation we are having is part of an internet, a global conversation now that is trying to come to a new understanding of reason and discourse as the alternative to war. So uh, go to culturewars.com and order a copy of that book. It will be out soon, and I'd be happy to continue this discussion with you later. I hope you will enlighten people with your word and the logos, because what we need today, we need peace and not war. Unfortunately, your country, the United States, and unfortunately, even my country, which is, has become its, its, uh, its puppet, we are doing wars and we're following Israel in its crazy wars in the Middle East. We are destroying the lives of millions of Muslims and Europeans as well. We are destroying our culture. We are destroying Islam and Christianity and these two treasures that God gave to us. Thank you for everything and I hope to meet you again in the future. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.